Here, record. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with the how man? Okay, I've hit record now. We're live on Facebook. Well, that was a rehearsal. That was dress. So oh, we had, man. We had look how, ang- look at, look at, he's just, he wants no part of this. You, you're just like, uh, you're just, these technical difficulties do not sit well with him. No, doesn't bother me at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, what does it mean? In the it end, we, we'll have a nice, fresh podcast, a little bit late. No big deal. I don't, honestly, right. I'm just here listening to you two knobs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we, Fred? We're going to try it. This is our last time. I'm, I've hit record. We're live on okay. Facebook. The original sound is on. Mm-hmm. I think I'm able to play music. Uh, do you want me to change anything in the script? There, you like? No, nah, it was great. So let me just make sure. We have a third chance at this. So okay, so I can play music off Spotify. So everything that usually goes wrong. Has now gone wrong, and uh, all the other stuff is uh, is in place. Fred, here we go. It's going to be a good show once it starts. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, Brampton, and from the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake. And it's brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, Hush Blankets, Relaxacare, and our newest returning sponsor, DraftKings. And now, here are two men who make it a policy not to bite their tongues, because it hurts... And now they feel bad that they're not getting invited to things that they don't want to go to. It's Humble and Fred. Thank you, Dan Duran. Let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. Oh, man. Uh, Ralph Ben Murgy's our guest once we uh, finally get this thing on the uh, rails. Because clearly, it is yet to get on the rails. Uh, also, some uh, we're, we're, like I, I, we talked about this before the show. We are going to do a show tomorrow. We have a guest. Jeremy Hotz is our guest, uh, so we'll get to some emails right off the top of the show tomorrow. We're going to spend the first forty-five responding to a lot of the feedback we've gotten, and it's been fantastic. Yeah, the response to disgraced broadcaster John Derringer has been overwhelming, including from the halls of Chorus Toronto. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it seems to have fascinated one and all. Uh, have you guys had any uh, uh, many questions, I should say, from outside of the business people? Because I have. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say, oh, just listen to that show that Humble and Fred did, because then it saves me the time of explaining <laughs> <right>. it all. <laughs> I was getting a, an Italian sandwich in my neighborhood, uh, and there's a guy a couple of blocks over. I go there all the time, and he's a nice man. He said, hey, Humble, I got to pick your brain. And I said, let me guess. You want to ask about Q? He's like, yeah. So what do you say when people ask you, Fred? Uh, I say it's sickening. It's disgusting. And uh, he's a pathetic, spineless little man who used to take out his rage on pretty much defenseless women with the... uh, not the blessing necessarily, but enabled by a bunch of uh, people no better than he is in the end. That's basically what I say, because it still irks me that that middle level, you know, need to answer some questions and their names, you know, other than this show aren't being mentioned and they should be because they enabled it. I mean, listen, we received another email yesterday from inside the halls of Chorus Toronto, Every, you know. 
a lot of the employees there are disgusted. Mm-hmm. They know that everybody at every level knew and did nothing about it. So, yeah, you know, and I just think of Derringer, the big man, you know, you know, unloading on all these women takes a Yeah. And some men as well. A lot of men. I and, mean, and men, too. But, you know, the men like can just. No, I understand. I'm just saying it was not like he is. He was a, 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 a sort of a bully. Is that what you call it? Yeah. The one guy yesterday <laughs> said he had a little incident with Derringer and, and challenged him. He said, come on, let's go. Let's take this outside. <laughs> That's right. right. No, that was great. That was guys an old friend can, of ours. Guys can do that, yeah. right? No, uh, for sure. No, I'm not saying it's equal. I'm just saying there was also men that he harassed and mentally oh, yeah. abused. Uh, now, I wouldn't say that to Buddy at the sandwich shop. I just asked, he said to me, I got to pick your brain. I said, so, well, well, tell me what you've heard. And he said, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, all I'll tell you is this. Whatever you've heard, it was, it was, that's all true. And I said, there's way more behind that. That's all. I mean, with people I know, a couple of guys at the golf course, I got into it with him a little bit more to the level that you did. The detail of like, yeah, he's one of the worst people I've ever met. And, you know. Then I always say, and of, it, co- and of course, to my face, he was just fantastic. What's that, Dan? Uh, were, were you, uh, uh, were the questions like, hey, is that really true? Yeah, I got did a couple of those. Yeah. Well, I, I got a couple of guys that were big Q fans that sort of didn't want to believe it and admired John and thought he was a great broadcaster. And, you know, that's fine. Um, the reason I bring it up is because this question came up. And again, I don't want to get into a bunch of emails now, but a couple of things I thought. They're sort of conversation starters. One is this story. Or one is the story that a bunch of people on Twitter, I sort of teased because uh, we had mentioned the Andy Frost story. So I right. said, well, I said, okay, tomorrow morning, that's today. We'll tell that story. And you'll understand why I was going to call last Tuesday's show on Facebook untrustworthy cocksuckers because that was what he famously referred to us as which I always found offensive because we're very trustworthy cocksuckers (laughs) (laughs) Um, but this note came and I thought it was an interesting conversation that we could have Freddie it's from uh, Jeremy Scott he says g'day so let's go down the hypothetical path for a moment Let's say someone in Chorus HR does their job. Now my timeline could be off here or there, but let's just say this is how it happened. Maureen Holloway goes to HR. She would have uh, been uh, that this, she would have been the theoretical third strike after Colleen and Jackie and Voldemort Derringer. Voldemort gets shit canned. Humble and Fred are sitting in the wings and get offered the Mighty Q Morning Show. It's he said this year would have been roughly 2014. Do you take it at that point or did you already have enough of working for, you know, corporate radio? Now, to give you some context, in 2014, we were doing the podcast. We were on Sirius XM in the middle of a five year contract with them. So that's our situation. We were making enough money to kind of scrape by. It was beginning to be like a real living, but it wasn't like we were making a lot of money. So I'll let you answer first, and then I'll take it. Oh, yeah, because we were on uh, Sirius XM, so for all intents and purposes, we were sort of on the radio. Uh, It would have just come down to the money. 
It would have. We would have considered that. In At that time, we would have, yes. That's eight years ago. Yeah. So we definitely would have con- considered that, but it would have been, here's what we want. Will you go there? And if they did, we would would have got our heads around getting up at 3.30 in the morning again and on and on and on and all the things that come with it. Sure, we would have considered that. Would, I'll, be, okay, I mean, I'm not... Am I, no, I'm no, you know, you're... You here, no, right? but, well... I can tell you in 2014, it was pretty, it was pretty rocky times for the how man. Uh, I was how much I weigh? I guess I weighed close to almost 35 pounds heavier and I was, in a, you know, in a bit of a tough time. And uh, but as far as our broadcast careers, we were still only three years into the podcast then still had sort of the fantasy that there was a place for us in radio. And absolutely, 100%, we, I would have taken the gig for even a fraction of the money that Darren, not a fraction, but, you know, if they had given us kind of the money we were making or close to it, yeah, for sure. Money where? I'm saying Humble and Fred money, not the money we were making on the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they gave us... We would have to consult because, as, as you said, you were going through rough times. So I would have had to say to them, hey, let me spend the weekend with the fat drunk and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I'll Listen, see exactly I, where his head's at. If I can get him, if I can get him to stop taking a shot every time he orders a beer. Hey, fat boy. <laughs> uh Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't know how much we want to get into this, but we ha- we on. On two separate occasions, could have been the morning guys at Q107, just as easily. Yeah. I mean, the first time we were offered the job, unless it's long before Derringer, we were offered the job and we turned it down. And it it changed our lives in a lot of different ways. It certainly gave us leverage with the company we worked for. And then the second time, as I mentioned recently, I was in a meeting shortly after we left to go to the mix. This is days later. And John Cassidy asked uh, Freddie and I to have breakfast at the King Eddie Hotel. And you didn't want to come back in from the uh, trailer. You were up north. So I went, and it was just me and John Cassidy and Hal Blackadar. And at one point in the meeting, he said, is there any way we can change this? He was totally mortified that this had gone this far. And I said, John, we signed the contract. And he said, but I'm the president, of course. I can do anything. And I should have said, okay, well... Give Freddie and I a million dollars each and give us the morning show at Q107. Because you said you could do anything. Just fucking do mm-hmm. it. And, uh, but we certainly could have had our old job back at that point. I mean, if we'd really wanted to be pricks, we could have said, okay, we'll do anything and get rid of Derringer. But we could have easily have said, okay, do anything. We'll, we'll take the show back from the other angry guy. Yeah, I try not to think about that. Well, fat drunk guy thinks about it every goddamn day. <laughs> no. And at the time, remember, part yeah. of that equation was it wasn't a very nice place to be at that point. We didn't have the confidence of the general manager, and there was a lot of things happening around us that, hey, how about a fresh start? And what was presented to us by the... Uh, hmm, what was it? Standard broadcasting at that time. The idea for the mix was pretty cool. Of course, that fell apart just months into it. Uh, 
But uh, anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. It's just, you know, I want to touch if, on if something. You, if you could, if you could, you know, if you could, um, you know, if you could go back in time, yeah, there's might be a lot you would change, things you would do. You know, Dan, what Fred just said, it's very in, in instructive as to how and why we have such a feeling for not only these people we've been talking about, and we're going to talk about Andy Frost in a second, but it wasn't a really warm environment for us considering we had been sort of the, the guys. And this was Derringer in 2001, sorry, in 2003, when we left uh, chorus Fred he'd only been doing the morning show for a couple years he, he had taken over for Stern but the environment in the building as you say our general manager wasn't a big fan our contract was up months you know it, we started the negotiation he barely you know we wasn't going to give us much of a raise and it was almost like he was doing us a favor and that created an environment where this offer came along and we leapt for, we, we leapt on it we, we went for it you wanted to work for somebody who wanted you to be in the building, which totally makes and that's sense. When, and when Cassidy yeah. found out, because he had, he had spoken to JJ and, and said, oh, how's the negotiation with Humble Fred? Oh, it's fine. Well, when he found out that it wasn't fine and how he found out was we handed in our resignation. Yeah. Crazy. It was so uh, what, what do you think? What do you think if, it would, if you were offered it today, would you take it? Yeah. I've also been asked that several times. I had some guy send me a text with all the details in terms of money. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty good. Uh, but I don't think I don't think you would take it now. The problem is I can't even go there. Nobody is going to hire a 66 year old man. I no, for sure. But if they did, we're not. Which I know you. You don't want to get up and do five days a week from five thirty to nine and play songs and sit there waiting for records to end. No. Wouldn't be my favorite thing to do. Mm. No, it wouldn't. And at this point in your life, you know, even if they paid you a million a year for five years, okay, maybe that. Mm. (laughs) Listen, he's reporting that the rumor is he was making two and a half million. Yeah, I don't know. Who who knows? But I I was in the, the funny thing about the environment, and I said this to Dave Farrow the other day when he called me, squirming. Let's just be honest. He was. Uh, I said, the irony of all this is, you guys, and I'm not blowing smoke up Howard's ass. I'm just calling it like it is. And I've said this to a few people since, and they agreed. I said, the irony is, the best jock in the building at that time was Humble Howard, and you guys couldn't see it. And it's true. You know, those, those shallow guys... JJ Farrell, a lot of those guys, you know, they're, they're, they were just so enraptured by the big voice and, you know, the image and the rock. But they weren't listening because when it came intelligence and compassion and uh, humor, you wipe the freaking floor with the guy. You do, even to this day. And that's what I said to, to Farrell. But they didn't see it. Again, you know, these are... I guess a lot of them are failed jocks, and all of a sudden they're supposed to be. And that's another thing I said to Pharaoh. I said, you know, I'm, I've been in the business 40 years. I'm 66 years old. Don't position the, this like you know everything and I know nothing because I was an announcer. I've learned a few things along the way. And that's when I proceeded to tell him what I thought about their decision on who was the best jock or who was the 
the biggest talent in the building. They blew that one. Because if they had gone your way, they could have saved themselves 20 years of fucking grief and not had this legacy, which they have, whether they like it or not. Well, let me address end, that. End, end of speech. Well, no, I was going to say, you said that to me the other day, and I, and I find that, uh, you know, made me uh, very happy and appreciative. And, uh, of course, you know how fondly I think of you. But I think as a team... You know, we came into that building, and, and I've said this several times, like, we had sort of lived on this little island out there in Brampton, and then when we were in Toronto, we were by ourselves, we weren't working with another radio station, then all of a sudden we're around these guys, and after a couple of months, I said to Fred, I said, man, I had no idea I could have, even, I could have been a bigger asshole, I had no clue, you could, I didn't even understand you could act this way. <laughs> right. But that being said, almost from the beginning... When we started working, because we went from working for a guy named Hal Blackadar, who was a big fan of ours. He's certainly Mm -hmm. a fan. I'll tell you what. The guy was a fan of mine. You know, he did me a huge favor by intervening and, you know, getting me some help. And, uh, you know, it sort of set me on a different path. So I always respected him. Well, you evolved. Thank you. And then we went from that to working for Jim, Double J, Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew of him, Dan and I and Danny and Lumby. We all kind of knew of him because he'd worked with half of us. He'd worked with Danny and Jeff. Mm-hmm. But almost from the beginning, you could tell he didn't really dig our act. You know, he thought we were just all about fart jokes. And again, when anyone references our show and says things like, oh, you know, the fart, you poopy humor. I'm like, well, you don't get it then because that's not exactly that was always like a little That's gold, buddy. That's gold. Buddy. <laughs> that, but, but no, That's as far cool. as as far as you talk about the depth of humor, you know, I, I've said this about you for 32 years. I said, you're the funniest guy I've ever met that doesn't do this, doesn't do stand up for a living. But you're you know, we were a good team and they had a good thing going. And the reason the environment was so uh-huh. toxic was because of what we're saying. You know, we've told the story. Go back and listen to it about the negotiations around us leaving. But it was basically a guy that didn't respect us who thought, ah, fuck, they'll just stay. And if they don't, who gives a shit? Well, what he found out was the guy that gave a shit was his boss who shipped him the fuck out of there. Secondly, and I'll be finished in a second, Derringer and Blundell both de- uh, benefited from us getting out of there because they were so, and I'm saying they by the company, was so... Uh, freaked out that we actually would leave that they signed Derringer for a long-term contract and they signed Blundell for a long-term contract and locked them in because of what happened in our contract. And I've, I will take questions now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one, sir. Dan sir. Duran, Dan Duran, what's your question? And then, My by question the way, is- I promise we're going to get to the uh, Andy Frost story before, uh, in the next few minutes before Ralph uh, joins us. Okay, Dan. So what do you what do you think as a radio programmer you would do in this situation that they're in at the moment? Would you hire a, a known team, an unknown team? That's a great question. Person. Um, well, I wasn't a program director, so I'll put that over to my buddy here. Uh, what would you do? Did he freeze up? Uh, it's hard to tell now. His fucking <laughs> Jesus. Fuck. What you have? Because you are your screen froze, and we th- and we thought you were just doing one of your poses. <laughs> no, you're shut down. <laughs> that's gonna. That's what's gonna happen. One day, one of us is just gonna fucking stop being animated, and it, it'll we'd be dead. Okay, so Dan asked. Uh, I said you're a program director. What would you do if you were in the situation at course right now? Replace Derringer with a, another big star, or would you just start all over again? 
Um, I uh, nobody replaces anybody with big stars anymore. It's you're throwing good money after bad. I guess I. I I, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, you know, Jason Barr and uh, Chris Biggs are they're they're a solid duo and. They're doing well in Ottawa. Maybe yeah. I'd look at them. Um, I know TJ Connors would never get back in the uh, business. He's doing too well in real estate and, uh, you know, had a bad taste left in his mouth. There's another thing when I was in Peterborough, the guy who became the general manager, who was our general manager in chorus. I had I had TJ Connors going and he was going all over town and meeting people and becoming quite a celebrity and then one day i had that guy come to me questioning whether tj was the right guy and i said well <laughs> of course he did <clears throat> i said yeah i you know he's yeah he's exuberant and everything but fine you know i'll work with him it'll be great and then he suggested um an old friend of his become the morning mm. man yeah, like an old guy like in his 50s he thought, oh, you know, he might be good here for Peterborough. And I said, well, w- wait a minute. Aren't, aren't, this is Peterborough. Aren't we in the game of developing talent? Like, isn't that the idea? Anyway, I, not even that that was a battle, but I won that one. I said, no, I don't like that idea at all. I don't want your old friend as the morning man here. I think that's quite regressive, actually. Um, so my, my point is, when was my point? Um, oh, who, you were talking who, uh, yeah, about, about would you, uh, would you hire yeah. another superstar or yeah. whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I I think the people that they might want might want um, wouldn't want to go there. Maybe. Yeah. Or, Here's what I would do if I was them. I yeah. would do what Boom did after Colleen and I got fired at Boom ninety seven three. They rehired a very competent, you know, just a sweetheart of a guy, mm-hmm. Stu Jeffries, who's been in that chair. Mm-hmm. Going on 11 years now. He does a great job. In fact, it is 11 years. I was fired 11 years ago this month, mm-hmm. April, May of 2011. Is that mm-hmm. 10? Yeah, 11 years. That's what I would do. I would just get a very good announcer, someone that knows a little bit about the music, is of a certain age to have some credibility with the classic rock crowd. Doesn't have to be an old guy, but I don't think you want to replace that thing with another you know, sort of big time morning guy or a stern or something. I would just go with a nice, solid, straight ahead announcer. And I bet you, and anyway, I want to move on in a second, but because we got the Andy Frost story. I will bet you that just a regular guy in there, their ratings won't wobble too much. You know what I mean? It's not going to be. A, no one's turning that station off now because Derringer's not the morning guy. Well, that's what I said last week. When I was talking to Pharaoh, I said, I don't get it. Nobody's bigger than the call letters. I know that. You know that. Q would have been just fine without John Derringer. Yeah, there exactly. May have been a blip. They would have been just fine. So why would you guys so infatuated? Like, like <laughs> children. I know. Like, you know what I mean? It, it is like, silly. Children so infatuated with this guy, they put up with it. And now there's just a pile of rubble left. One other thing I will say quickly. Over the years, when I haven't thought that much about it, I thought, you know, maybe Ryan Parker's positioning himself. Maybe he will sort of take the baton from John on some level, because I think he hosted the show when John, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. No, I, don't I don't know. I have no idea. 
But anyway, that's all shot to shit now because he's got Derringer stink on him. Yeah, this guy's he's, he's like, it's like, you know what it is? It's like he's run over a Derringer skunk. <laughs> by the way, I don't know. I don't know the show. I haven't heard it in a long time. And uh, there's a third person on the show. And who is that? What's his name? Johnny Garbutt. Yeah, I think he uh, just. Yeah, here it is. Flair at Flareboy, producer of Derringer in the Morning on Q107, just followed me on Twitter, which I thought was interesting. Uh, speaking oh. of Twitter, uh, anyway, so that's what I would do. I would just bring in a, just a regular Hi announcer, Hi someone that uh, is just harmless. So this is, uh, da, 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 uh, this came from uh, Twitter, a guy whose handle is uh, Schmoodles. You know, I love these people. They're so s- supportive of us. He said, uh, hey... I'm still dying to know the Andy Frost story you guys alluded to several times last week. And now you're and now you're my go to podcast. I saw this uh, multiple times over the last week. People have sort of discovered us or rediscovered us. Uh, And kudos for naming the PDs and GMs who allowed JD's reign of terror. You guys are awesome. We're going to tell the story in the next uh, couple of minutes. But first, Fred is going to tell you about these fine folks. Freddie? Our folks, our friends at uh, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Chambers Plan is Canada's leading group benefit plan for small business. Uh, 30,000 Canadian, small Canadian businesses together uh, have strength. Yes, they do. They've had this program growing for 40 years now. Small businesses together can have premiums that they can afford, okay? And this is the whole idea behind it. Uh, go to uh, chamberplan.ca today. Look at the testimonials, all these small businesses. It's right there, what the businesses are, how it's worked for them. It really is something. It's fantastic. Uh, prescriptions and dental, you know, those are usually at the top of mind, but there's so much more. There's uh, all sorts of therapies. They have an HR department now. Uh, yeah, even a, uh, a mental health aspect uh, through COVID. It's all there, top to bottom, chamberplan.ca. I also want to mention Dan Duran will be back in uh, a little while after Ralph. We're going to be uh, getting to Dan's news today, and I don't know what length of show we're going to do because we had, uh, you know, I think we started three times, but uh, we'll get Dan back. Let's talk about the quality of your sleep. I had a pretty good sleep last night. I fell asleep uh, listening to the latest Smartless with a couple of uh, movie producer dudes, but I paused it as I was falling asleep so I can check it out. Uh, If you're having trouble... We uh, recommend Hush. You've heard of Hush Blankets, the best-selling weighted blankets and mattresses. They even have iced technology, which keeps you cool all night in their iced weighted blankets and their mattresses. If you're looking to improve your nightly rest naturally, Hush is the answer. If you're not sold, figure this out. They give you a 100-night guarantee on all their products. Try it out for 100 nights and return it with no hassle whatsoever. I find that outrageous. But you might be uh, in the mode of buying some of these products, now's the time to do it at HushBlankets.com. Use your promo code H-U-M-B-L-E for 10% off. It's the highest discount they offer. HushBlankets.com. That's where you go for the 10% discount using the promo code H-U-M-B-L-E. Let's do this quickly. Uh, So, uh, again, it was an environment where we were all thrown together. And we had been competing against these people for as long as you and I had been a team since 1989. All of a sudden, in the spring of 2001, we're working in the same building. And it was awkward. So what do we do? 
sucks that we are, we think, you know, we told the story of offering to buy those guys coffee or making, doing a, a muffin run. Uh, we, we tried, you know, we even did crossovers, those little things you hear announcers do. We did them with Derringer every day, even though it, as I said last week, I, I was always, it was, it just didn't work for me. It's like, you know, when you're as competitive as we are, I'll say me, as competitive as me, it, it drove me bananas that I had to talk to the guy at the end of my show and promote his show coming up after where he was going to spend an hour promoting his show opposite us the next fucking day. Obviously, I said that was weird. But now you can pick it up. We, we uh, tried to, you know, again, we were sort of trying to be our little congenial selves. And, and one morning, we, uh, I can't remember how it started, but one morning. Well, we, here's how it started. Yeah, how did it start? I, there was a Leaf game the night before. Right. And Andy Frost used to do the post-game show. And something happened during the post-game show that he actually had to be sort of spontaneous. I don't know if it was a technical difficulty or what. Somebody wasn't on the call uh, on the line. And I just noticed he was going, uh, well, uh, uh, well, uh, uh. Right. And it just sounded so funny and bizarre to me. I was listening with my neighbor, John. We, we may have been in the hot tub, the man bath. Um. So the next morning I come in and I mentioned it, and then we got Bob or Schwarm or one of those guys just to get that clip. Mm-hmm. And we were just sort of having fun with each other. We thought the guy had a sense of humor. So we got the clip of him umming and awing and put music to it. It was really funny. It was very, very funny. The the beats very- lined up, and it was him going, ah, 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 and we just thought it was a celebration of the guy promoting, by the way. Yes, that that's what I was trying to make the connection. We were promoting the guy who we didn't really know, but he was our Leaf guy. Mm-hmm. And we had the Leafs game on the radio station. And that's why we thought it was we would do that. So we put this thing together. It was very funny. And then we pre-promoted it to, hey, Andy Frost, we got the new song coming up from Andy Frost in a couple of minutes. And anyway, we played it and it was very funny. And the very the interesting part of that, there was people that came in the room and said it was very funny. But then once they found out that Andy was offended, didn't like it. Well, they changed their tune just like that. Yeah, that's a weird thing about this story is that and we played it continually through the morning. The listeners loved it. And I'll just say this in our defense before we go any further. It wasn't mean. It wasn't. Honestly, we've been mean. I've been mean. It was not mean spirited. It really was just like, hey, this is funny. Mm-hmm. And and what you said, our media, our immediate boss loved it. Yes, he did. Loved it. Thought it was hit all the buttons, the promotion, mm-hmm. cross referencing the uh, the Leafs, which was a big deal on that radio station for us. It hit all the, the ticked all the boxes, as they like to say. Right. And um, and then we even said, and, hey, tomorrow morning we're going to uh, get Andy on the show and he can talk about his latest single. And we thought exactly. this could be an ongoing bit. And the thing is, where we came from, we had fun with each other. Like, if you had done that, we would have made a little song if I had we did. done something. Stupid. I know we did. We did that stuff all the time. I played it on our uh, thing we did in January. It was a thing where uh, they recorded me getting ready to record a commercial, and right. it was just me going, mm-hmm, and then they put it to music. It's what we did with each other all the time. By the way, as a form of affection, too, which well, we also thought... We thought, oh, he'll find this funny and maybe he'll be our friend. <laughs> what we weren't 
equipped with was this whole in-house cue thing. The great Andy Frost, uh, yeah. Mr. Andy Frost. Like, we didn't know at the time you'd, you don't fuck with the great master of uh, announcing. We, we just didn't know that. Because I never really felt that way. Yeah, he had a big voice. He never had much to say, to be honest. I would listen to the Leaf Post game thing, and my friends would actually make fun of it. It was so mindless half the time. And by the way, we're also not equipped with what was what happened after that. Because as you said, our immediate response was listeners loved it. We thought it was cute. You know, right. it was just a cute little thing to fill some time. We literally had one of our producers reach out and say, hey, we got to get him on tomorrow morning because he's going to yeah. love this. And then mm-hmm. and we thought, you know, like Letterman and Stern, it would be a running gag, you know, where they mm-hmm. would have some of the sports guys. And that's what I thought. Well, we weren't so prepared. We weren't prepared for what happened next. Which yeah, was we, when he we they found out Andy was pissed. Oh, he was insulted. You don't do that with the great Andy Frost. So we found out that he was offended and didn't find it funny and uh then our general manager came to us and said you know andy's upset and he and he turned pretty quick because he thought it was funny jj thought it was funny at the beginning yeah both of them did Stu and jj thought it was funny and all of a sudden it wasn't funny and most people in the halls thought it was funny but anyway so he said you might want to call him to apologize and we thought what what a big baby what a suck Okay, before you get to the apology, because the, the apology is also bananas. So in between, everyone liked it, then they didn't, and then we had to apologize, which we did, and that's my favorite part of the story. In between, though, of course, again, we didn't realize you never poke the sacred master of psychedelic Sundays and all this other bullshit. So, and what we heard within a few days, before, because there was a few days before the apology, what we heard was... Uh, Derringer heard about it and, of course, sides with his buddy, didn't like us anyway. And the famous line that came out of Derringer was, yeah, those untrustworthy cocksuckers. And I was thought, well, that's a bit that's a bit aggressive for guys that are getting you muffins and coffee every day. Those untrustworthy cocksuckers was his response to it. OK, so now we're told to apologize. Well, I don't even know if we were told to. Yes, we were. No, we were. We were. We, we were. We, okay. we were. So not okay. Had to might be a bit much, but we were asked. Oh, I to. think we could have said no. He's a being a big baby. But we're we not, decided. But we thought, you and I and right. Shwarma got into our office and we said, "Okay, we're going to do this again." Thinking, try and be the guys. You know, be good guys. You know, blah blah blah. Do you remember so what happened? Called- by the way. Oh, I remember exactly what happened. We phoned and his wife answered the phone and he didn't want to come to the phone. We said it's Humble and Fred and he didn't want to come to the phone. Remember? And we said it's just Humble and Fred. We want to talk to Andy. And I don't know if we actually said to her we want to apologize, but we would like to speak to Andy. It's very important. And then finally he came on and we apologized and he never accepted the apology. He said apology not accepted. He did? Yes. He said I don't. He said I don't accept it. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure that I'll, I'll check with Shwarma, but that was my memory of it was that he's like sort of, you know, it was like, well, whatever. And, uh, you know, I don't really accept it. And we were because I remember thinking, well, we've done our fucking job. What else do you mm-hmm. want us to do? Yeah. Anyway, it was just ridiculous. You know, you would expect him to say, hey, guys, you know, uh, I really didn't appreciate it. You know, it didn't make me sound very professional, even if he just said all that stuff. But just so you know, uh, 
I wasn't happy about it or but no he just it was little one word answers and he was pissed and never really paid attention to us again yeah so we left yeah and it's too bad because it could have been such a fun warm fuzzy little bit that he could have come on and yes and it could have been like i said it could have been a running gag forever um all right all right we're gonna switch gears but not really you know, whenever things happen in the world, oftentimes we turn to our rabbi for counsel. <laughs> we uh, we take a few minutes with the learned, the scholarly. If we could just get you to stop dovening for a second. Uh, he's the host of Not That Kind of Rabbi. The author of I Thought He Was Dead, I think is the name of the book. It is the name of the book. And he is uh, a good friend of ours. Ralph Ben Murgis here. <laughs> He's the Gig Sky guest of the day. Gig, Gig Sky, Sky guest of the day. Day, 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 day. Um, hey, uh, now tell us a little bit about that, Friedrich. Well, if you need a hotel rental car looking for things to do while traveling, Gig Sky Travel Rewards offers up to 50% cash back on over 850,000 hotels globally. Really? Reduced rates for rental cars. You can book your theme park adventure directly from your GigSky account. Visit GigSky.com slash travel rewards today. Sign into your account for more information about the program. Now, download the GigSky app today. Enter code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan or visit GigSky.com for more information. Uh, I don't want to, I hate to start with a downer. You know, there's been a lot of famous deaths recently. There was obviously Norm MacDonald. I think we've talked to you since he passed away. Uh, on the weekend, uh, who's that guy that died of uh, 67? Dan and I were right. Who? Um, Ray, uh, Ray Liotta died on the weekend. Ray Liotta, so yeah, yeah it's Norm Macdonald, Ray Liotta, uh, uh, Ronnie Hawkins, Derringer's career. You know, a lot of famous. <laughs> That's oh, what I want to talk about. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny this morning I got, how am I going to get to, what's the premise here? Oh yeah, famous deaths. Uh, I said to Fred yesterday, I don't know if you know Andrew Crystal, but I said, uh, who would you rather be today, Andrew Crystal or John Derringer? And Andrew <laughs> Crystal is dead. Ralph, uh, you've worked in this business a long time. You've been the uh, object of, you know, you, no one's been where you've been, where an entire country was talking about you and not all of it positive. You've been in a fairly prickly situation very few of us can relate to what are your but and i'm saying i'm just saying you've had that kind of hot attention on you mm. what uh first two questions i guess what's your thoughts about what you've heard that went on and of course you know that we're we were part yeah. of that scene and then maybe we can talk a little bit about after this because i am curious i think a lot of people yeah. are about what might happen after well okay so I try to see this situation with uh, John Derringer, who I don't know personally. I don't, I've never even met him. You know, very long career and, you know, as a morning show guy, uh, you know, the, the sort of cherry on top of private radio, being in big market morning show, always managing to find your way through to the next one. Um, but, okay, I get all that. But the thing is, this isn't just about broadcasting or a broadcaster this is about work culture and power and abuse of power 
and enabling abuse of power. So if somebody's giving you something you really want as the employer, you're willing to ignore whatever it is that's happening underneath that, where somebody says, hey, man, like this guy's talking to me like I'm a garbage can. And they're like, hey, man, he's our ratings guy and he's mm-hmm. bringing in the bucks. Um, so it can happen there. It can happen in the Canadian military where a report just came out saying the idea that you are supposed to prosecute your own people for sexual assault and harassment is ridiculous. You're horrible at it. You go after the people who actually complain. You're, you're, it's a joke. So the power is the issue and money is the issue for me. So a guy like, like John, from what I can assume from the people who've come forward, is somebody who, as he kept getting more power, found less barriers to his behaviors. Mm-hmm. Right? People just kept saying, well, okay, you know, come on, it's Derringer in the morning here. Let's not mess with something that's working. Uh, and the women, uh, I really... Uh, it takes a lot. Uh, what Jennifer did is huge because you don't get a lot of accolades for being the person who says, you know, this I'm calling game on this. Um, so I, I really admire what she did and the other women who then were, you know, felt that they could talk about how they'd been treated on that show. Um, but, you know, the other thing is often, as we all know, when you start having attention, uh, the best in you doesn't come out. Um, the worst in you can come out. And if it's enabled by people, it can become the work culture that you provide for other people. You know, it's funny you said that. I just thought of something. And again, this just came to my mind that, you know, during the intermission there at the Academy Awards after Will Smith had punched Chris Rock, Denzel Washington said to him, you know, be careful at your highest moments. Mm-hmm. That's when the Absolutely. devil. That's when the devil can visit you if you believe in that. But I wanted to say, just comment on something you said about the people that enabled this behavior, and we know a lot of them. Can you find some compassion? Is there compassion for that person because they're, you know, as Fred has referred to them, the guys in the middle. Even though there, we knew the guy at the top, but there was a lot of people in the middle there that were enabling that behavior for their own survival. And I don't want to say that we forgive them, but I think there's an understanding because. Well, there's no reward for them to speak up. If they go up higher up the food chain, it's like, you know, if you're having a problem, we can move you to something else. Yes. So it it always keeps moving upwards. But I will. This is a little rabbi moment. Compassion um, has two uh, side, two ends to it. One is what can be referred to as loving kindness towards people, understanding. And the other one is strength, that you need both. And in the strength part, you need to be able to create boundaries for people. So, you know, someone um, upwards in leadership should have taken the reins of the situation because it's not like everybody didn't always talk about it from what I can understand. Yeah, worst, sort of kept, worst, worst kept secret in the, in the community by far. Right. And I'm, I'm not from private radio, so I have, I have no idea. But at the CBC, we, you know, we had our own issues with people. I'm sure people thought when I was at the so-called top uh, for 12 minutes that, um, that they didn't like me and I didn't like me. And it was really hard to be in that situation. Uh, power is not an easy thing to hold in a very small hand. Right. It, it ends up 
screwing up. And often I find the most abusive people are the most scared people. They're the most insecure about where they're at as people. That's why they have to just keep trying to make everybody feel horrible because they need to be on top, right? Uh, listen, I'm sure he's going, you know, to watch people's fall from grace. You know, uh, Mike Bullard went through this. Uh, as young Gameshi's gone through this. Uh, he's now going through this. Um, but, you know, um, it's more about power enable enabling abuse and it's about women uh a lot of it's about women and misogyny and the ability for men to just treat women horribly what about this aspect uh bruce uh when we when we hear i'm sorry read bruce about, oh. yeah i'm sorry no I'm sorry. I, I, could, I couldn't let that go you, you almost then you didn't. Why am I saying Bruce? I don't know. No, I, I, That's I, okay. I usually get Frank. Nobody <laughs> gets my name no, wrong. It, it, it's Ralph. Frank, right? Anyway, back it's to Ralph, you. right? Yeah, Ralph. This is, it's Ralph. This is Ralph. I'm, That's on the show. I'm, Howard? I'm Howard, Bruce. Is it, is it Ralph on the show? Right? Excuse me. <laughs> we're, we're all, it's by Ralph, the way, our Ralph three Bruce. ages, Sorry. our combined ages are in the 220s. So <laughs> we'll forget. I'm, I'm racking my brain right now going, how would Bruce pop into my brain right now? Like there's no attachment. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyways, Leroy, go ahead. When I thanks, Jeff. That's yeah. I'm getting old. Um, you know, when you see and you read the stuff, it's like there was. And again, I'm not a, a psychiatrist or anything. I can't say the guy had some mental issues. But you look and you think, wow, there's some real issues there that needed to be addressed. Maybe on some level, he's sick. So it, it, when he's enabled by the middle and upper management, is that all almost not worse than Derringer's act? It, well, no, it, it's no. all part of a web, don't you think? Like, and the other thing is, it's not just in the office. Mm-hmm. It's when you go out there and, you know, ladies and gentlemen here from Q107, John Derringer, you know, and then yeah. everybody applaud. And, man, I listen to you every morning. I love you, yes. man. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you're, you're being told that you're good the way it's, it's going. Yeah. And yet people don't also take into account what it is to be public on a constant basis, what it is to people on TV, you know, picking their nose at an airport lounge and say, oh, look at so-and-so mm-hmm. picking their nose, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not as much fun as people think. Well, but then, no, but, but I want to just comment on something you said, Fred. Like, the, in, a, in a weird way, somebody could have stepped in mm. and intervened and done the guy a favor. You know, like somebody did that to me. Somebody intervened and said, you need to get some help. And somewhere along the way, Fred and and Bruce, somebody. Brucey. Mm-hmm. Bruce. Cousin Brucey. Um, <laughs> like, I love the fact that we just can talk and be serious. And the next thing you know, we're like, hey, fucking wrong name. <laughs> Fuck. But somewhere along the way, somebody missed. There was a miss. Somebody didn't do him a favor. That's the favor they should have done him. Yeah, but what was in it for them? They had a guy who was, you know, one of the best morning guys in, in the business. What were they going to tell, you know, the, the corporate masters? Listen, I, I, I ditched the guy. He's a bit of a schmuck. No, not ditch the guy, but send him away. Listen, I got suspended for I got I did something. It doesn't matter what I got suspended. And at the end, one of the rules of uh, one of the terms of my suspension was I go get some help. Right. So why didn't they do the same thing for him? Because they don't really they, because everyone is OK, because people are commodities in our society and he is a commodity and just like uh, everybody else has been through this yeah and it was more about you know he's the product not uh, i need to help this person be a better person you're lucky 
you're lucky somebody walked in and went, hey, okay, time out. Mm -hmm. Love you, but you're, you, this is not the way to be. So or, let's or, just get help. Or maybe they did, and it didn't work. Yeah, maybe. And it, it, it kept happening. I look at it from this level. Easy for me to sit back and say, you know, I could not have been part of that. But like, these guys that, you know, you say it's not good business for them to make something of it. But you're knowing every night these young women are leaving the building beside themselves, like, okay, in a, but, in a pretty uh, rough state. Like, yeah, you, but this, you have a daughter, you know, you have a granddaughter, you, you know, you have a wife. There be, yeah, but my want, wife, would you my want wife them was to be in this, like that? No, but my wife had turned to me the minute she heard it and said, hmm. "This is what we live with, all of us women, so did my all daughter. the time, yeah. right? So did my this is my daughter, life." Yeah. Guys making sexual remarks, being inappropriate, guys mm -hmm. trying to rub up against you, guys treating you like you're less than them. This is a, yeah. a systemic issue. And if we make it all about John Derringer, then it's like, uh, well, well, you know, maybe he's got a problem. No, no, maybe we've got a problem. A hundred percent. Yes. You know, and again, as a father of daughters, a hundred percent. But I will say my kids are about 10 years younger than Fred's and, and I... And I don't know about your first set. I've got I, boys, four well, boys and, and granddaughters. Well, I would tell you this, though. The modern young woman that is that are my daughters, they're not standing for this. They, 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 whatever was happening ain't happening to the level anywhere I, near. I, don't, I actually don't believe that's true. I think if you really spoke to a lot of women, different women of that age, they would tell you it's already begun. They are sexualized. They are uh, there's the women. I, I did. We did a pay equity uh, debate in, in the, during the election. I work with the Greens, and uh, the, you listen to these women. Thirty percent less they make than you than you would make. I know. They're they're disadvantaged in every way. Who is the who? Frontline worker heroes. Guess what? Firefighters and police officers, mostly male occupations. No mm -hmm. problem. Nurses. Shut up, take the pay cut, mm -hmm. show up for work, you're a hero. Yeah, I, I so agree with you on all, all those, the same. I, I agree with you. What I'm saying, though, is the behavior of a, of a male worker threatening, harassing, I don't think that's going down. Like, well, I'll tell you what, my, that's not happening with my youngest. Look how long it took Jennifer to do, finally say something. Yeah, but Jennifer's a 48-year-old woman who grew right, up but, who but, grew up in a different era of accountability amongst men. I'm not you're you're absolutely right. The pay equity thing has always driven me nuts. So my question cuz you brought up those other guys. And again, I'm trying to have some compassion for this situation because it's we we've, we've spent the last week, you know, in a certain mode. And deservedly so. We have a right to say what we said because we were there and we worked for the same people and they treated us differently than they treated him, to be frank. But I started thinking about this because you were coming on and you always make me think this way, which is, you know, I knew Jean Gomeshi. Mm -hmm. I, I, my brother worked with him. I, I've had Freddie and I have had occasion to be in his company and I knew John Derringer and... Uh, I just think uh, someone asked me this yesterday. Actually, it was our old producer friend. We were talking to him. I said, "What you know? What is what happens to him now? And is there another act in that guy's career?" Nope, not that kind of career. No. As I said yesterday, I would if I'm him. I don't even want to go to the Home Depot right now because, unfortunately, you know, this could happen at a private workplace, and you can leave the you know, and you can go about your life. 
but when you're like a, you know, you're he's a Toronto star and recognizable visually, and that's a tough position to be in. Look, it's also every party you walk into, every social situation, every well, dinner. This is it. I mean, this can happen down, you know, at uh, the office. It's a shaming. Yeah. It's a public yeah. shaming. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you get the other end of it, which is the public adoration. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, whenever you go for the ring, there should be a, hopefully a softer fall from grace. You know, like you know, Howard talked about somebody finally going, hey, man. <laughs> Come on, time out. And me, uh, you know, we want the show. We, it's going to be great. It's going to be the biggest thing. Uh, this show sucks. <laughs> you suck. Get yeah. off the air. Mm-hmm. But how I take it at that point, because it wasn't about my behavior. It was about my grasping for something. So I, I remember I, uh, Pam Wallen and I, I got canceled and Pam Wallen uh, got booted off the national where she'd been with Mansbridge for a while. She went out and did every uh, speaking engagement she could because uh, there was no way this was going to run her over and, you know, ended up a council general in New York and, and a senator and all this stuff. I went and I literally meditated for 10 months. And and then uh, the kindness of a guy named Jim Bird at CBC who said, uh, would you like to come and work on Newsworld? And it was like. Oh, well, yes, I would. Mm-hmm. That's very kind of you. Mm-hmm. And I did a show with like 14 chairs in the atrium after, you know, the big show. But I wanted to do that. I wanted to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is it I, I was trying to do? And then just sort of deal with myself. But you've got to, like, if you're going to fall, if you're not going to take accountability for the fall, you're never going to get the redemption you're looking for. So if Jean never says what I did was wrong, then he's not going to find a way back. And he never did. He just got a really good lawyer. It was over, so-called. And, you know, he has disappeared. And he had talent, real talent. Mm -hmm. Right. But talent isn't everything. And you've got to when you get your 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 lessons, you got to learn from them or else you're just going to disappear. But the only thing is what you went through, there was no shame in that it was just what are you talking about. I would write, I walked oh, no. by a variety store with Frank magazine with a humiliation oh. cover. About no, me. what I'm saying is <laughs> no, what I mean, I'm yeah, saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. What I'm saying, Ralph, is you didn't do something in the workplace that was shameful. You know what I mean? The results yeah. of the show caused you to be embarrassed and the reaction to that. But nobody could say that Ralph did this to another human being well, like, like Gameshi and, 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 and Derringer. I'm sure there would be people who would, he would talk to about me at that time in my life who just thought, what an asshole. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying, Fred, and I. And by the way, I uh, totally relate to it. I relate to a lot of what you said. One of the things you say about, and, and, I, and I know what, what Fred's saying is you weren't, it wasn't a public scandal, but it was humiliation no, no. on a national level. Very right. few, that's why I said in the intro, very few people have ever gone through what you went through. But what you said that I totally relate to, when, including the last thing you said, is a lot of people, you know, in a, in a period of time, working around me would have said the same thing. But what you said about a lot of power in a small hand, you know, there was a time between sort of 95 and 2005 where Fred and I 
were Toronto famous. That was the most famous I've ever been. And for a couple of years, 2003, 4, and 5, they spent a million dollars. One million dollars. One million dollars. In about a six-week period in the fall of 2003, when we started that radio station, it was the most famous I've ever been. Same with him. Billboards, bus boards, television commercials. It was intimidating, and it was... I was, it was a lot to handle. And when you're an insecure person like myself, um, a performer, you know, a whole life, you know, to spend trying to get him approval and affirmation, it's a lot. And it can turn you. So here's, so uh, I remember I was doing a broadcast workshop, uh, Paul McLaughlin, great guy, former teacher of mine. He would do training sessions at CBC. So he asked me to come in and do an afternoon uh, out of these three days, one afternoon. So I, I said to the broadcasters, all who people who were on the air at the time, I said, so here's the thing. Here's the bad news. The bad news is what you're doing is really not normal. You are asking people to love you who you've never met. <laughs> and you're asking as many people as possible to That's love right. you as, and you've never met them. Mm-hmm. And this is really a weird thing to do with one's life. Um, the thing is, you've got the skills to make them do that. You actually have the skills to make them love you. Mm-hmm. The question is, now that you have their attention, what is it you want to do? And that's where you have, that's where the matru- maturity, which for you and me and Fred and lots of other people took us years to find, is, okay, well, then what am I going to do with this little hand and this power? You know, am I going to just keep thinking I should be somebody else? I could have been a contender. Mm-hmm. Or am I going to just get out there and go, okay, this is actually authentically me, and I'm willing to, to, to live in, in that. It just, takes a long time to get that journey done. And I just, just treat people the way you'd like to be treated. Like, that's what I don't understand with the Derringer thing. We said this the other day. You know, you get this long-term multi-million dollar contract. You think on some level that would turn make you a little happier. It makes it worse. Bad. Makes it worse. I guess, yeah. No, well, it's that, just like I'm, I'm invulnerable. Well, no, and, and what we said that, it's totally true, Fred, but what Ralph said is it just, you just keep getting, you get all yeah. this power, and then you get affirmation that whatever you're doing is okay. <laughs> Keep doing it. Um, we're going to mm-hmm. have uh, Ralph hang around a little extra today because uh, I want to sort of at some point transition out of this and, you know, talk a little bit about the upcoming election and then maybe finish off. I've, I've, there's a, I know the last time we talked about Norm MacDonald and I had mentioned to the audience in the last few weeks that Norm MacDonald famously recorded a stand-up special just on his own at his house because he knew he was ill and he wasn't sure if he was going to get to perform it. It's been released and I've got a little clip of it for you guys uh, in a second or two. In the meantime, I want to remind everyone that if you're into health the way Fred and I are, we've lost some weight thanks to Noom and thanks to the Health Gauge Phoenix, the watch that we wear on the show every day. Uh, we've uh, been able to monitor blood pressure, uh, heart rate variability, temperature, all this stuff. It's not just for steps, it's for every aspect of your health as you age. And you know, we're all getting to be older cockers now, Riley. <laughs> get, the, uh, get the Health Gauge, watch it. Uh, healthgauge.com, the promo code, as you know, is HumbleFredHG for 15% off at checkout. 15% off, HumbleFredHG at healthgauge.com. 
Hey, hockey tonight. Yeah, the Western Conference Final begins. It's uh, Edmonton at Colorado. The Avalanche, a heavy favorite, minus 180. Oh, yeah. The over-under is seven goals, okay? Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, bow dog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. And yes, you can wager on the Western Conference Final, which begins tonight at Bodog. Uh, you know, I, there's a couple things I was going to throw at Ralph because he is our uh, spiritual uh, advisor. He is a, a man that has done, you know, a lot of work in the world of aging and saging. And, you know, so his book and his whole world is about spirituality and the acceptance of, you know, perhaps uh, a higher power, you know, the, Nonsense. By the way, speaking of stand up, <laughs> speaking of stand I know, I, you love it. All that, uh, you know, mumbling to the sky. Um, by the way, the Carlin thing, the Judd Apatow documentary, Ralph, is fucking 10 out of 10. You're going to love it. It's called uh, George Carlin's American Dream. It's fantastic. It's so many great takes on religion. So, one of the things I was going to throw at you, beside the Ontario provincial election, which most people are. Don't give two and a half shits about really. And I just spent six months working. Uh, I know. (laughs) So I'm going to get to that. We're going to get to that. That's why I'm going to keep you a little longer. But when something happens like these massacres now, uh, the last one in Texas, and you hear about them sending, like, I think it was uh, one of the Graham preacher people sending people to that area to pray, prayer guides or whatever. Mm -hmm. How does that land with a guy who's also pragmatic like you? Well, um, I can't relate to doing that. Um, but there's so many layers to it. So if, if, if the people who go there to, there was a really good uh, uh, Michael DeAdder, who's brilliant as a political cartoon satirist, had uh, Cruz, Mitch McConnell, and I can't remember who else, I think maybe the governor of, of Texas, with their hands together in prayer and blood all over their hands. And so to me, the, the, the use of religion as a, um, a way to, to paint over the horribleness of what happened uh, I just can't relate to it at all. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say about I've been really trying to understand what the Americans are doing with this, that they can continually turn around and go, so, you know, it's too bad they got shot, those kids, those seven-year-old children murdered, but moving on, uh, is that the people who are the gun people uh, see guns as a defensive thing. And the people who are anti-guns see them as an offensive thing. And that's the difference between them. And I'll always remember I was on a film in Georgia uh, in 1980, and we were there for like a month shooting this film. And I was going into Atlanta, which was three hours away. We were shooting where Deliverance was shot, actually. And we, we, we go, we're going to Atlanta, and I said, look, I'm Canadian. I, I don't have a gun. Do, do you have a gun? And he said, oh, yeah. I said, where do you keep it? And he points under his seat of his car. And I go, wow, why do you keep it in the car? He goes, look, Ralph, I don't want to have a gun, 
But if the other guy's got a gun, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm in some fender bender and he's losing it. And I see him going to his glove compartment. I, he's so defensive, right? I have to defend myself from guns with the gun and off it goes. But the idea that this has anything to do, well, first of all, whatever version of, of God or thing above, I'm not, that's not my, my thing. Mm-hmm. My thing is that non-dualistic. There's no us and it, us and the environment, us and the economy. What are you talking about? You are the environment. You, you are the traffic jam. Like, it is all one thing. And if we don't see an ecosystem where we're all in one thing, then it's an ego system where it's all about us. So that's what I see. So when these guys show up, I just think, oh, you're exactly why people don't want anything to do with so-called religion, when really it's politics. Right. And when these things happen, they just dig in harder each side. Sure. It just becomes worse. You know, I well, heard them. Was it Abbott? The, 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 yeah, the governor. The governor. They're talking, you know, well, you know, these schools, they, they should be locked. People oh, yeah, Ted Cruz was saying. In, oh, yeah, the back door. door yeah. Ted Cruz, armed we, guard. Should have, we should have armed guards. And it's Defense. like, that's very pathetic. But at this point, it's gone so far. Maybe they're right now. Maybe that's what you have to do because it's beyond the point of no return. I, I got to yeah. tell you, Fred, this happens to us and happens for 30 years. I wrote down the exact thing you just said. I said, you know, it mm-hmm. sounds ridiculous to arm people there. But you know what? They're at a point where. Maybe it's not so ridiculous, because I'll tell you what, if I was sending my seven-year-old to a school, I'd want to know that at least it was as secure as going to a rock concert, you know? I'd know I was in the wrong country. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'd know. I'd be like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, and, and, and Fred said this other, guards for my seven-year-old. Fred said mm. this the other day, and I totally agree with this. You know, there's mental health everywhere in the world, the exact same level. We're all, these cultures are all under stress, but for some reason, that culture takes it out on... And it's, by the way, a very specific age group of men, 18 to 24 year old men predominantly are responsible for the bulk of these things. With the rockets, red glare, the bombs bursting mm-hmm. in air. That's yeah. who they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, all uh, done through blood. Us, us was the Hudson's Bay Company showed up because people in Europe wanted hats. <laughs> that <laughs> was our listen, colonization. Man, uh, mm. We're going to have to start wrapping this up in the next uh, five or six minutes or so. So I don't want to leave, get you, because I, I, and by the way, I don't mean to be diminished. Dim, 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 What's the word? Um, Bruce, what's Diminishing? the word? Yes. Sorry, Bruce. I uh, I didn't want to uh, okay, diminish <laughs> diminish Bruce Ben Mergie. And Jack Howard. <laughs> I don't want to diminish this the Jack word. Howard show with Fred Bruce. <laughs> Fred Bruce and Bummy. Listen, uh, I don't want to diminish the work you do with the Green I'm Party. Offended. I'm so offended. And you're all racist. Uh, yeah. But uh, you work with the Green Party, so... Yeah. Just set up this election for us as you see it, and then we're going to play a little Norm Macdonald. All right. All right. And then we're so going to go. a little heartbreaking uh, to see that, um, you know, um, I, I, I worked hard with Mike Schreiner, the leader of the Green Party. We worked together for, for about four or five intensive workshop hours uh, or more on the debate. And, and Mike was a, a star. He just killed it. He was by far the best guy up there. 
everybody said it, and it, it wasn't us going, oh, he's great. It was, mm-hmm. he's, he's just, he knows how to synthesize intelligence, passion, and kindness into one guy, which is why I love working with him. But when I see what, what uh, Doug Ford can get away with, yesterday he did a press conference on the roof of Post Media in Ottawa, and that was his trip to Ottawa. And when asked about it, he said, I'm not here to do some photo op. I'm here to talk about, you know, uh, the new highway. Uh, this is a guy who actually, when he was asked about climate change, said um, uh, more highways mean that you don't have to be stuck in traffic smelling other people's fumes. That was his climate change plan. And yet he's going to uh, probably win himself a, a majority. So the apathy, the first past the post system that we have, which is the worst electoral system you can have, only us, America and the UK still have it, um, which doesn't reflect anything. So you're going to have a guy with 35, maybe 36 percent of the vote. That's 60 percent of the people tops voting. So bring that down to about 20 percent of the people of this province are going to give him a four year majority to continue to do things like pave over everything, uh, to have the most simple-minded approach, 1950s approach to things. So when you work so hard on creating a platform, having a guy out there who's really representing uh, uh, ecological value and uh, the intelligent new climate economy stuff that we're talking about, and you see this wins... We had a, a, a conversation about whether or not people were the leader should be able to bring binders with them out onto the, onto the platform uh, for the debate, and they wouldn't come if he wasn't allowed to have a binder. You know why? Because he can't. Like he's got nothing. He's, he's just say this and get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Say this and get. And people are willing to accept that. And I just find that really heartbreaking that we, we really aren't engaged. And if you give us literally 160 bucks, we'll shut up. Here's your license plate sticker money. Shut up. And we took it but, because oh. everything else is out of control. We don't feel like we have any control. So somebody gave us some money. Big deal. You're going to pay it for a blood test next week. Who cares? What I'm a little bewildered by traditionally in this province and particularly in Toronto, you say he's getting away with stuff and I don't dispute that. But traditionally, the conservative guy didn't get away with stuff. The The magnifying glass was on them more. The microscope, they were what they had to say was dissected more because it really is was, I guess, a liberal leaning media. What's happened? It's not a liberal-leaning media. I'd gladly sit with you and show you the conservative bias of most media. The Toronto Star endorsed him. Uh, National Post, The Globe, and yeah. Mm. This mythology. Look, I worked at the CBC where everybody thought we walked around calling each other comrade. Right. It's nonsense. Wait a second, you didn't? <laughs> not not all the time, mm-hmm. uh, but but no. It, 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 there's this mythology that only conservatives have scrutiny. Um, no, not true. And for one thing, remember us growing up was 40 years of conservatives in Ontario, and then Mike Harris mm-hmm. for eight years of Bedlam, and now we've got Dougie who was in the middle of Bedlam when he got his ass saved by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And by uh, Corey tonight, who came in and said, get rid of this Dean French guy. He's a nut bar and just say whatever we tell you to say and nothing more. Read the script and leave the room, because if you start talking, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just tie this finally then to back to my recommendation about Carlin. And isn't it interesting? There's been a lot of publicity around this 
documentary. And one of the things they reference, and we've referenced this, is even though the man died, I think, in 2008, so we'll call it 14 years ago, when issues of abortion, gun control, government, climate change, human beings, when these things come up, there's a George Carlin clip that appears on social media. Mm-hmm. The guy was like the comedic Nostradamus in terms of his vision for, you know, basically saying to the American, saying to all of us, it's a game. They're fucking controlling you. They give you 168 bucks to tell you to shut up, stay in your house, watch the Netflix, and just let us do our, let the white people rule. Because I'll tell you, the guys that still vote for Doug Ford, you know, some of them are in my golf community. And those are the ones that still scoff at climate change. And sometimes, you know, I'm in the middle of a round. I don't feel like debating the fact that if you still think it's a, a, a funny little bit, you're missing the point. But that's that's who Doug Ford is talking to. Yeah. There's, by the way, there's a great book called Less is More by a guy named Jason Hickel. And the real fundamental problem is we are addicted to expansion and growth. Everything has to be bigger and better. That's, it goes right back to the Derringer conversation. You can't just be on the radio. you got to kill. you got to yeah. be on top. Yeah. The company has to expand. You have to syndicate. You have to become you know, Howard Stern. Everything has to be biggest, biggest, consume, consume, extract, extract. And because we live like that, if anybody says, I'll, I'll keep feeding the, 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 the cow here, we go, great. Thank you for the grass. Well, there's some responsibility here with the liberals and the NDP, too, because I've over the past few weeks, it's people that are going to lean towards Dougie. It's because, well, consolation almost. All right. Now. It depends where you live. Yeah. Um, no, got a chance of course, at a second of seat, it depends. It, of course, it depends where you live. But unfortunately, you know, it was wide open. There was an opportunity here, and it looks like it was missed. And climate change um, mm-hmm. wasn't even a conversation. Yeah, and yeah. I was going to say that. Like I, I, you know, I don't have grandkids yet. You know, maybe one day, but I'll tell you, we have we are missing. And I, and again, I just seems it's a strange source having watched Carlin spent all weekend watching this documentary. And uh, it comes up, the environment comes up all the time in his, in his routine, especially later in life. And I keep thinking, are we, like, it's almost like, how are we still having a debate about it? The same way I, I find it hard to believe we're still having a conversation about abortion again. Like, what? Mm-hmm. But the fact that we still have to debate the climate with people is... Because you're asking people to change their life. Right. Yes. And, and people don't want to. They don't want to. They, if their paycheck... Depends on what we're already doing. You yes. can't tell them to change it without giving them a new paycheck. That's right. That's why there's a new climate economy worth trillions of dollars mm-hmm. that we could actually be swapping into. If you did green retrofits of everybody's home mm-hmm. and, and condo, right. uh, you would have uh, 70,000 new jobs right mm-hmm. there. So it's really about whether we're. We got a guy who says, okay, it's a storm in Ottawa. It's a once in a century storm. What are you talking about? There was one uh, two years ago, there was a flood. Three years ago, there was a flood and a storm. What are you talking about? So we'd rather live in denial. Well, I've seen the polling, what the Greens are at about 5%, maybe? Uh, 7%, and a a good chance we're fighting like hell for Perry Sound, Muskoka, where Dougie's cottage is. Right. Uh, We're in a total dogfight there, and every vote will count. And hopefully, we'll have two Greens, maybe even three with University Rosedale. You know, and it's, it's admirable that you guys, you know, put the work in and put up the fight, but we're years away from a Green. 
Party. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because the yeah. NDP takes our policies. The Liberals take like okay. steal our stuff. I don't care. The right. idea we're in the wrong track, and we got to have enough people knowing that there is a right track. So yeah. that's the work. It's just uh, hard work. If you, well, just said. before I play, yeah, fantastic. I was to say just to just give people a place to go. Uh, it's only a couple of days before we cast our votes. If you want to find out more about Ralph and the Green Party. How would you, uh, where would you people, would you like people uh, GPO, to start? GPO.ca for anything they need uh, uh, that way. Yeah. And by the way, for me, RalphBenMurgy.ca. So yeah. there you go. And I would say this to anyone listening, uh, you know, you start, if you're, if you're still scoffing at climate talk, <clears throat> you're missing the boat. Um, let's just finish. As I mentioned this, uh, famously before he died, uh, you know, no one knew where Norm was sick. Had been sick a long time. He was getting ready to do another Netflix special. He had written all this material, and he had a sense that maybe he wouldn't get a chance to perform it. And rather than have it just lay there, it's just him with a a set of headphones on, holding a microphone, obviously talking into a computer. And I haven't watched the whole thing, obviously. Uh, It just came out today. At the end of it, there apparently is Letterman, Chappelle, uh, Chris Rock, a bunch of other comedians commenting on, on Norm. You know, and as a Canadian, you know, Ralph and I, you know, had a little bit of contact with him. But as a Canadian, we're pretty proud of the fact that all these other comedy luminaries, you know, are admire him. So anyway, here's a little clip of him. Again, no laughter, just him airing out this material. And the, the premise is he's talking about what it's like to have and what, what, what it's really like when a plane crashes. Yeah. Fred, didn't you see Kevin's thigh bone earlier? Reconstruct him. No, that's not what they do. You know? Best thing you can do, maybe they'll find your ID. You know? You go, look, this says uh, uh, Norm McDonald. Says he weighs uh, 190 pounds. Okay, shovel 190 pounds of stuff into a bag and put right Norm on the side of that one and hurry up. Daylight's burning. And his mother wants it. And then my mother gets it. And, oh, look at that. That's Norm. How about that? I don't remember Norm having three years. Hmm. Oh, well. I guess none of us really knew him when you, when you get down to him. <laughs> anyway, it's a fascinating... It's, uh, to me, it's fascinating anyway. But it's just him airing out this stuff. As, and he's doing it. Apparently, he did it all in one take. This is what I read. And he does the entire hour on his own, just like that. Wow. Uh, he used to be something. able to make up anything, anytime. You just tell him something and he would do a bit. Yeah. Norm, do something about the back seat of a car. What is it about the three things in the back? <laughs> you know how your friends feel about you when they say, no, you're in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, he's very That's clever. That's the one without a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ralph Ben Mergy, always a pleasure to be in your presence, Rabbi. The uh, book is called I Thought He Was Dead, his podcast, Not That Kind of Rabbi. And for more about Bruce Ben Mergy, we recommend you go to yeah, all. I know. I'll live with that for a while. A little while. Not necessarily. You don't need don't to be. Don't worry, there. Frank. You're fine. You don't You're need fine. to be that way. <laughs> you called me. You called me. Uh, what did you call me this morning? A fat drunk. I don't, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't mind that. Wow. <laughs> you guys get into it. Hey, oh, yeah. Context. You need to hear the context well god willing yes exactly <laughs> uh, prayers for you i'll be coming to pray for you please right. uh ralph ben Murray, always a pleasure we'll see you uh sometime in the next month or so see you guys always a pleasure okay, thank you thanks thanks, thanks ralph
the world's most comfortable massage chairs. I got one upstairs. Uh, you know, one of my kids asked me, uh, "Daddy, are you, is the novelty wearing off?" I'm like, "Nope." Thanks to RelaxaCare.ca. I went in because I'd always wanted one of these things. I'm watching golf. I thought, hey, it would be great to have one of these fancy massage chairs. Now I've got one. Visit RelaxaCare in person or online. You can order it, and they offer all the top brand names. They're the biggest in Canada for wellness products as well, such as saunas and these amazing massage chairs. Check them out. They've got all kinds of fitness products as well. Relaxacare.ca. Get educated and you'll find, like I did, this is the best place to find this type of, uh, you know, it's a bit of a luxury. I'm not going to lie. But this is the lowest price you can get it in Canada. Free shipping. Order online right now if you want to at relaxacare.ca. You know, relax, the key word as well when it comes to the retirement Sherpa. I mean, listen, building wealth for your future and your retirement can be stressful. But when you talk to Timmy, you know, you can uh, you can just settle down and calm down and uh, get the straight goods from him and he'll put you on the right path. Yes, he will. Tim Niblett is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund, licensed on both sides of the border. A great helping hand to many Humble and Fred listeners. He can help you as well. RetirementSherpa.ca You look you look different than when you were here with us a while ago. Although that background is just stunning. Different angle of the sun. Yeah. The sun coming down on my long sleeve shirt that protected me from the mosquitoes earlier is was too warm. So I changed into sun. How are you supposed to wear golf shirts, by the way? Are you supposed to button these things all up? Or, uh, or no, I usually leave the first button. The, the one that, Yeah, you're wearing it. I mean, if you some guys, their, their style is to button it all the way up, but I don't. Are you right. going golfing today? No, but I just want to know for next time. I was supposed to go golfing today, but somebody didn't want to come up to the lake for some reason. I don't know. Who's that? Uh, I how you got that today was supposed to be that day. I last said, week, you, asked, you said last week you wanted to golf on a Tuesday. Anyway, I don't know. I can't I remember know. things. I can't even remember Ralph Ben Murgy's name. <laughs> I'm not going to give my... I, I, I'm not going to give you shit about that. I thought it was funny. I, by the way, though, I couldn't let it go when you said, hey, Bruce. I'm like, oh, fuck up. What am I supposed to pretend you just, just didn't call the guy Bruce? And then, I, no, I, I'd be all over that, too. Of course you would. Um, no, I'm just in a thin. I was thinking, why? When I, where did Bruce come from? Was I thinking of a Bruce? Had we been talking about a Bruce? And no, it's all no, no, no. That just came from... Nowhere. Yeah, that's all right, man. Listen, it's, uh, yeah, I'm the one that fucked the show up three times to start today. I had to restart. You know, it happens. By the way, um, uh, honestly, I, I know you guys aren't as into stand-up as me, but I will tell you, I watched the first 15 minutes of that Norm MacDonald thing today. It was just, first of all, it's sad because you're like, the guy kind of knows he's dying. He doesn't look great. Doesn't. Although I will say this, for a guy that's dying, you know, some months after this was filmed looks you know looks okay mm-hmm. well, you know, did we you all, watch the whole thing i know i said i watched 15 minutes of it I, okay. I'm, I'm gonna watch it because at the end of it all these other comedians comment on norm including david letterman wow like he was really you know in I, i'm gonna say this in the same conversation as 
you know, maybe not prior Carlin and, 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 but it's certainly, he's thought of in the world of comedy as one of the all time, all time greats of it. And, uh, mm. it's pretty cool. Why did the Lord have to take him so soon? Speaking of the all-time greats, this was uh, we we played a, around this time yesterday. We played a clip of that insane uh, Marjorie Taylor Green, and it was uh, Bobert, wasn't it? No, it was Marjorie Taylor Green. Mm. It was oh, they talked about the fat problem. Not the no the, pe- the, the, the peach the peach tree dish. Mm-hmm. Oh right, yeah. Um, and somebody sent us this clip of Sarah Silverman. Say, you know, women look to you as a role model. Uh, I take it on proudly, Conan. Um, I have a lot to say to women. Tonight, if I can impart anything to women, maybe can we do like a, a close on me so I can really talk to America? Sure. Mm-hmm. And all the women in America, I promise you, you do not need vaginal deodorant. <laughs> You need a doctor. I'm not done. Get back here. If you use simple soap and water and you get out of the shower and there's still a rancidish odor, don't spray perfume on it. That's crazy. to brag, Conan, but um, of course, that's what you say right before you brag. <laughs> You're going to follow up that with, I don't want to brag. A few people, a few men I've been with have told me that my vagina smells like a, um, a, peach, a, a peach tree dish. I uh, so where that was going. I, I knew you guys would be like, why is he playing this clip? Well, I, and again, I apologize. I don't remember who sent that to me because I started early today around 5.15 uh, accumulating some clips. Anyway, so that's uh, in response to our story from yesterday. And now, Dan, uh, yes. the time that a lot of people look very forward to, ourselves included. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchorman, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low Dan Duran time Dan Duran and the news Drinking coffee can save your life Now, as a black coffee drinker, I look for any scientific proof that coffee is good for you. So, here's some new research that shows coffee drinkers are less likely to die early. There's a seven-year study of over 170,000 UK Java junkies, so that's a lot of people, huh? So, it must be good. People who drink unsweetened coffee were 16 to 21% less likely to die during that study than non-coffee drinkers. And... Yes, and while people consume between one and four cups of lightly sweetened coffee, they were 29 to 31% less likely to die. So, drink coffee, feel superior, live longer. A black coffee drinker? You look like a white guy to me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. When I first met 
Q Fred. What's that, Freddie? Q107 could have had that humor. <laughs> That's right. It's just they're just kicking themselves today. Oh, yeah. I don't know. if we, Can we have done Q107? Q. I, I don't even know if... Yeah. Yeah, I guess we could have figured it out. Um, when I first met Fred, I was drinking Tim Horton's coffee with... Uh, Tons of cream, tons of sugar. I know your coffee order was always, yeah, like, yeah. What was your order? Mine was half cream, no sugar. Half cream? Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't mean half the cup was cream. A, a <laughs> that's what I Yeah, thought. that's what I thought, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I know. Half cream means that, like, a large <laughs> coffee, the normal cream, I want half of that. Uh, I remember when Tim Hortons got fancy and they produce that french vanilla that then became my order which was half coffee or three quarters coffee then french vanilla but dan famously was the early adopter of the black coffee or coffee is a good coffee and again i it was similar to the mouse two screens (laughs) there's a pattern in our relationship where dan will say things like hey maybe you should try coffee on its own it's very good i'd be like what are you talking about it fucking sucks and then cut to five years later "Hmm, coffee is so good but uh dan was an early adopter of good coffee and and convinced us all to drink it black oh absolutely um i'm only like a couple of years into it Again, I, I used to have no sugar, just a little bit of cream. But now I, it's the same thing when I gave up sugar and coffee and tea. You look back and how did I ever do that to begin with? Because it's just horrid. And I think that now with a, a black coffee, I can't imagine putting anything in it now. Do you remember how when we moved out here from the West? Yes. And I, don't, I mean, remember that. I, coming out here, uh, it was one of the first things when I ordered coffee. I, I ordered a regular coffee thinking it was regular as opposed to decaf, not oh, regular yeah, yeah. being cream and sugar in it, because yeah. that made no sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a Western Eastern thing, I think, mm-hmm. unless it was a, a West, uh, Western U.S. thing. But I don't ever remember. And then always, I don't know, is it still the same where uh, if you drink decaf uh, in a, from a, one of those carafes in a restaurant, it's orange for decaf? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny. That brings back memories. That's, how do you like your coffee? Regular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they decided how much cream and sugar that was at the at the. But Dan and I moved. We were sort of, uh, you know, for the first few months, Dan lived on my uh, my couch and famously made love to one of my ex-wife's friends on the couch. And when my ex-wife found out she was livid that you would do her friend on our couch, I just thought the whole thing was hilarious. But that's for a different time. Anyway, we all. So for a few months, you lived with me and then you lived in the same neighborhood as we did, and in that neighborhood was a one of the first, this was predating Starbucks, but one of the first sort of bespoke coffee places. And uh, over time, you got me to give up the cream, the sugar, and it just makes the coffee order simpler. I, I will say this, though. I don't drink tea very often, but for some reason when I do, I like a little bit of cream or milk in it. I don't know why. Like, I don't drink... Yeah, same here. Just a dash. Just a dash. Just to give it some... I don't know why. Maybe... Yeah. I never put cream in coffee. I never have a latte. Occasionally, I'll have a... Uh, you know, a, what they call an Americano, which is basically a, a different type of black coffee, but... I've never liked flavored coffees. I don't even really like Bailey's in my coffee. You know, sometimes you do that, and it's like, I'm not... I, I, I'm not really... It's not my thing. 
It's funny. I always find the people that will have a Bailey's in their coffee, like you maybe you used to do it during the Christmas vacation or when you're at the cottage. I always think it's like just a great excuse. It's a great excuse to start drinking booze at eight in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> to get her going. Well, no, you do that at the cottage. You have the coffee yeah. and Bailey's. Then later, yeah. in the, yeah. once the sun gets warm as it closes, closing in on noon, you start drinking beer. Later in the afternoon, beer. you have the cocktails. Then you have, have wine your, for with the dinner. That's right. Then you have your nap, and then you have wine with dinner, and then you move to scotch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've got the routine down. You know that. I that's remember. I know. Oh, I definitely yeah. had the. Plan my days around booze. Dan, um, before your second story, actually, do your second story, and then we'll tell you about DraftKings. If you're looking for an interesting place to visit in the world, in Vietnam, a glass-bottomed walkway has been declared the world's longest bridge of its kind by the Guinness World Book of Records. It's a suspension bridge suspended approximately 492 feet above the ground, and it's uh, 2,000 feet long, so almost half a mile long. And you walk across wow. the gorge or whatever and no. look straight down. Have you Scary. ever had any problem walking on those glass glass bottles? Uh, I was going to say that at the top of the tower, I have no problem with it. I mean, I, I don't know that I'd walk. How many meters was it? It's uh, 2,700, uh, no, 2,073 feet. Yeah, it's long. long. It, seems, yeah. it seems unstable. <laughs> they have uh, something like that at the Grand Canyon. Um, and I was thinking of doing it. And then I saw the price and I decided not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you would do that. It would not uh, scare you in any way. That's anyway. all, actually what, that's what they're going to write on his tombstone. I saw the price, and I decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it wouldn't. No, because the thing is, you got to just be logical. It's like they've gone all to the trouble to build this thing. I'm sure it's good enough to hold up my weight. Like, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. They've yeah. gone to the. They've gone to some yeah. expense. Yes, to do this. Yeah, thing. it's I'm not like using the right bolts. <laughs> I love that. It's not like they built it, and your weight will be the one thing that tips it over. <laughs> that one weak spot when you jump up and down to show everyone that it's solid. That's I'll right. I'll tell you one thing: I would not do is hang off the CN tower. No, and thank you. I think not interested. Why the price? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, that's good. Very good, Dan Duran. Uh, I'll tell you what else is good. It's on Ontario DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sport, sportsbook apps. Has arrived. You know now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports from MMA to hockey to playoff hoops and so much more. Bet special parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Plus, do it now from anywhere in the province. Join the action. Download the app and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. Get excited. DraftKings Sportsbook is live. Go to the App Store now and download the Sportsbook app that is offering 2-to-1 odds on a hockey team to score a goal every day in May. Today's the last day to get in on the action uh, on that bet only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Got to be 19-plus, physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And if you're worried about gambling, call Connex Ontario, 1-866-531-2600. Please play responsibly. Woo! Uh, is that the show? Is, are we done now? I feel like we've been uh, here for a while. Tomorrow on the show... Any, I was to say, you guys didn't any sports stuff on the show. Is that... We're busy, dude. We're doing other shit. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, New York Rangers defeated the Carolina Hurricanes 6-2 to two last night to advance to the Eastern Conference Final against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That happened. And Edmonton is uh, moving on to uh, their Conference Final, are they not? 
Yes, against Colorado. Yeah. Um, that will be a series. That will be a series. Well, I hope so. I actually now I'm kind of hoping that because I'll watch some of the Stanley Cup final that. At least if Edmonton there, all Edmonton's in there, I'll have some reason to watch. Uh, tomorrow on the show, Jeremy Hotz. Plus, uh, listen to the first 45 minutes of the program. If you can, we'll be answering and acknowledging well, clearly one of the most uh, significant weeks in the podcast uh, history of our program because not only did we have one or two of the biggest download numbers we've ever had, but also the response from... Not just direct emails, but online, all the different social platforms has been interesting. And, and as you said, Freddie, we've heard from so many people we used to work with. It's just, in a weird way, it's been kind of affirming mm-hmm. um, and very sweet. You know, you can't help but think, you know, uh, you self sort of reflect. Are we dancing on a grave? No. Uh because it was a huge story in the city, and we talk about huge stories in the city. It just happened to be one that we were a little more close to, um, can relate to, have experience with, no people involved. And uh, the feedback we've got from those that have been affected over the years uh, made us continue. And, uh, and, a weird, and a weird byproduct was things like, you know, having conversations with... You know, Jeff Domet yesterday and Jeff Merrick and talking to Sandra Plagakis and, you know, Cliff Cohn and all these different people we've worked with who I hadn't heard from some of them in a while. And like I said, it was weirdly affirming and also, you know, sort of sweet to hear from all these folks. And uh, and as I said to Cliff, and I'll maybe expand more tomorrow, about in a weird way, we were all bonded by this shared experience because we were all there. Yes. That's the key. And there were some great times for us at the Mm -hmm. edge and and in that building, but there were a lot of weird times. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like all those people have found a, they've sort Mm -hmm. of coalesced around us and found Mm -hmm. a way for them. A lot of it is that we've seen some heartfelt expressions of their own experiences. Um, um, Well, uh, and I was just about to make a great point too. Uh, Oh, God damn it, Bruce. Hmm. Hmm. Well, take your time. No, take your time. Uh, I hey, exactly. Well, anyway, just on and on and on. It's oh, well, oh. Here's what I was going to say. You know, we've often said about people getting in front of their situation, like David Letterman did it, and a few. It's like you know, I fucked up. I made a mistake. I'm sorry and move on. I keep waiting for all these middle guys on some level, maybe on their Facebook, on their Twitter, but on their Twitter. But it's it's all like they're, they're, they've run for cover and they're just waiting until the storm blows by and then they'll pop their heads up again. But again, all those people we've mentioned over the past few, maybe they should go on social media and say, you know what? I had a hand in that. And in retrospect, I feel horrible. And if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't. But, you know, it, 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 it says a lot about the people. But I, I imagine what they're they're in right now is is, is just uh, you know damage control. Like how do, how do I present it? Like I didn't know mm-hmm. it was somebody <clears throat> else's fault. Don't well, look at me. Yeah, I, I think you're right, but I also think you're dreaming. Like in Technicolor, Howie. I don't know. Uh, speaking of that, Swarma said to me, "I was just fucking remember this." Swarma said, uh, "Tell Freddie." 
that I still dream about you guys all the time. <laughs> I said, why? <laughs> he says, I have these dreams where he used to be our producer, for people who don't know, one of our fine, fine kids that we worked with, who is now turned 50, inexplicably so. What? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I know. So he was telling me yesterday that he dreams about us. And I said, well, that's sweet. But he says, here's the dream I have. It's like one of those anxiety dreams where we've got the show. The show's about to begin or something's happening. And he hasn't, the, the guest he's booked isn't available or he somehow or another mit forgot to book a guest. Or <laughs> I said, well, I'll tell Freddie tomorrow that you still dream about the Humble and Fred show and the anxiety around it. You you talk about horsing around with with each other and having fun. He's a hairy, even a hairball. Like he, he has the hair, hairiest person I've ever met. <laughs> so I think I maybe the two thousand one playoffs. Every Leaf win, we shaved a pu- the shape of a puck in his back. <laughs> hairy back. That's right. Remember that? Yes. And I got up yeah. to like seven or eight puck shaped um, shave jobs on his back. Yeah, and it was fantastic. It right. Yeah, he took it in stride, but the great Andy Frost got upset over you going, ah, 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 ah. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go make a pee-pee. And that's all the show we have today. Oh, well, you're there. Have yourself a shit, too. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Be efficient about it, after all. <laughs> While you're there. Look at that. Great. Hey, good night, everybody. Have right, yourself right. a, a, a final you word. Have heard that. A final word to Fred. Have yourself a shit while you're there, so you don't have to go twice. All right, now to finish the program, here's Dan Duran. This episode of Hubble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Hush Blankets, Relaxicare, and users turning returning sponsor DraftKings. For Hubble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, Howard is the fat drunk, and Fred won't remember your name. Email us at humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. Thank you, Bruce Duran. <laughs> Clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that?